Thank you for joining us for the Lafayette Church of Christ Sermon Podcast. Please join us each week as we listen to lessons given on Sunday mornings at the Lafayette Church of Christ. Good morning, church. Uh, It is great to be here this morning. I woke up with a lot of energy today. I got a full seven hours of sleep, so I'm, uh, I'm fired up to be here. Uh, I have a lot of things running through my head that I want to add in that are not in my notes, so I'm going to limit myself to just four, Um, just four things. So I'm going to say these really quick, just things I want to shout out, things I want to give thanks for, and uh, you can feel free to to amen any of them. Uh, First of all, the coffee is back, church. The coffee is back. Uh, Let's just shout that out. Let's praise for that. Um, That could also be related to the source of my extra energy. Um, I'm not going to make that connection uh, necessarily, but it could be involved. Uh, Alicia, uh, maybe there was others, but I think mostly Alicia got that going, and we'll perfect it and and stuff as we go, but uh, very excited to to have the coffee back. Number two, I'm forgetting all of them now. Number two was that I think O Come, O Come, Emmanuel is at least a top three song in Christian history. So any, any, uh, yes, a lot of, a lot of people agree. Uh, so any morning we can sing that song is great. Number three, getting a little bit more petty. Uh, Dave Wilhelm's beard is awesome. Uh, it's looking great this morning. And I have a new something to inspire to. I'm 28, can't grow any facial hair. And number four, Craig Anderson is here. Uh, so Craig, Craig is hiding in the back. I don't think I've seen Craig for three or four or something like that years. Uh, so great to have you, Craig. Great to have others as well. Hey, Faith, another. Um, but good to be here. And for the most part, we're going to focus uh, the rest of the time. What I was supposed to say is that this is an exciting time to be at Lafayette. Uh, Greg had the most uh, extensive list of elder announcements that I, I can recall. So there's a lot going on. Uh, be listening up to the more focused people among us. Um, uh, be reading your emails, and if you get confused about a lady's Christmas party or about an angel tree or all these other things going on, uh, holler at Mike or I, holler at someone, and uh, we'll make sure you, you get the information you need uh, or get to the right person. Uh, this morning, we are continuing our, our little mini-series uh, out of the Hebrew prophets, uh, which is focused on the, the first coming of, of Jesus. Uh, I mentioned last week that we're going to be uh, interpreting these Old Testament texts with an unapologetically Christological lens. Now, I know that's an obnoxious phrase. So, so what, what do I mean by that, unapologetically Christological? What I mean is that we're going to be focusing on, on these Old Testament passages uh, and what they mean in light of what we now know uh, about who Jesus is and, and what Jesus did. So this is not the only way to interpret the Hebrew prophets. In fact, it's not even always the best way to interpret the Hebrew prophets because we're not focusing a lot on on their immediate context, and that can be a really rich way to study them. But Christians have interpreted the prophets in this way since the writers of the New Testament themselves connected the dots between the the person and work of Jesus and what the prophets uh, of old had written. So we are following in their footsteps, and going back to the Old Testament, going back to four different prophets, but connecting them explicitly to what we now know about Jesus. So let's take a look at at how the prophet Malachi uh, begins the third chapter of, of his book. He writes, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking 
will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. So here God through, through Malachi is announcing the, the future coming, if you notice, of two different messengers. The first messenger will be sent to prepare the way, the text says, before me. God is saying a messenger will be sent to prepare the way before he himself comes. And this first messenger has pretty much always been connected to John the Baptist. And after that first messenger, John the Baptist prepares the way, the text says, the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. In other words, the the very Lord God, whom the, the people in Malachi's day desired, will indeed come to be with his people. And of course, that second messenger has pretty much always been interpreted to be to be Jesus, who we see coming down, as promised in this passage, to be with his people in the incarnation. So Malachi, in a very simple way, he pretty much indicates that the people of God in his day want the, the Lord to come down to be with him, and he very clearly promises that the Lord will indeed come down to be with his people. So that's simple and straightforward. But as we look at the next four verses, the, the driving questions are going to be more like this. Uh, what is this Lord like? Okay, so the Lord is going to come, and the Lord's coming is promised to them. But what is this Lord that is going to come to them like? What is involved in the coming of the Lord? What is the Lord's character? What will the Lord do when he comes down to dwell with his holy people? And for that, we continue to read in verse 2. Who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when the Lord appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness. And the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will again be acceptable to the Lord as in days gone by, as in former years. Now, again, if we were focused in this morning and in this series on the immediate context of the book of Malachi, which we're really not, then all of this talk here, especially in these three verses about the Levites and about the offerings of righteousness and about the city of Jerusalem, all of that would be really important. So if you want to study this, this text more, I'd encourage you to go back and read the first two chapters of Malachi, and then this part of the passage will, will make a lot more sense. But his message concerning the the future coming of the Lord that we're going to connect to Jesus, that message is, is quite clear, and it is that the day of the Lord is going to be very, very intense. No one, the text says, will be able to endure his coming. No one will be able to stand before the Lord when he appears. And all that sounds fairly terrifying. Uh, on the surface, it, it sounds pretty terrifying. It sounds very threatening. But as, as we'll unpack uh, a little bit this morning, I think, again, this is one of those passages that sounds terrifying on the surface, but it, it's actually intended to be good news for the people of God. When the Lord comes to his people, it's good news because his work among them will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. And if you know anything about either of those two illustrations, and if we kind of chase those two illustrations very quickly, Malachi's point is, is made clear. The coming of the Lord and, and the resulting work of the Lord, the purpose of all that is to refine and to clean up 
his chosen people. It's not to destroy his chosen people. The, the coming, the accompanying judgment, the purpose of that is to refine and to restore and to clean up. So Malachi is saying that when the Lord comes, there will be judgment. The word judgment is not used, but that's, this is the classic prophetic imagery about what God's judgment will be like. So Malachi is saying the Lord's going to come, there will be judgment, and your lives will be changed as a result of that judgment. But Malachi is not saying that the Lord's judgment of his people leads to destruction. He's rather saying it leads to them being refined, them being cleaned up, them being restored. It leads to a product, like with the refining fire or the launder soap, it leads to a product or, or rather a people who are more holy and more pure than they were before they had encountered the Lord, their God. And we're going to return to this idea of refining a little bit more, but let's, let's tack on verse 5 before we do that. This is how our, our part of the passage ends. Malachi says, so I will come, some more seemingly threatening imagery, I will come to put you on trial. I will be quick to testify against sorcerers, adulterers, and perjurers, and against those who defraud laborers of their wages, who oppress the widows and the fatherless, and deprive the foreigners among you of justice. But, this might be unexpected, but do not fear me, says the Lord Almighty. So in addition to those two illustrations of a refiner's fire and a launderer's soap, Malachi adds one more illustration, and it is that of a prosecutor. Malachi is saying that when the Lord comes, he's going to testify against certain people, or at least certain actions of the people. But I want us to take note a couple times this morning of the various groups or the various actions that the Lord puts on, on trial, because we probably expect the Lord to say, I'm going to come and I'm going to judge the sorcerers. Again, Harry Potter is not friendly to the Old Testament, especially uh, the sorcerers, uh, the adulterers and the liars. We sort of expect those groups to be condemned. But what about the rest of verse five? What about uh, the Lord saying he's going to come and he's going to condemn those who defraud their workers? The Lord saying he, he's going to come and he, he's going to judge those who oppress orphans and widows. He's going to come and he's going to judge those who treat the foreigners, or can I say the refugees or the immigrants among them poorly. For those participating in this whole spectrum of activities, the Lord's coming will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. And yet, Malachi then tacks on, but do not fear me. And I, I struggled with that this week, and I, I went through a, a few different things, I, I, how I wanted to interpret that and what I was seeing others were saying. Uh, I'm struggling with seeing how Malachi could say all of that and just say, do not fear me right afterwards. How can he describe the intensity of the Lord's coming and then promise the people that there's actually no reason to fear him? Because it sounds on the surface, again, like there's plenty of, of reason to fear the Lord and to fear his coming. And I think what what Malachi, is, what Malachi is implying is that although, although God's people are participating in all of these evil actions, and that although they will be judged for their participation in these activities, and that they will be refined through that judgment, that they don't need to fear the Lord, because that process of refinement is ultimately for their own good. 
They don't need to fear the Lord. And they can receive this prophetic proclamation as good, as good news because it is good news that the Lord will come and refine us of participating in these activities. The Lord's refining fire that we're going to sing about after this message will transform them into the chosen people. It will transform them into the holy nation that they were already called to be. And in a sense, then, that is an act of grace. Now, one more thing to, to reemphasize about verse 5, and then, then we're going to connect all this explicitly to Jesus. When we look at the, the list of behaviors, again, in, in verse 5, that, that God is saying he's going to come and judge, and he's going to refine these behaviors out of the life of his people. Again, most of us church people, 2,500 years later, we nod our heads at the first view. We say, yes, God is, God is going to you know, call out those practicing sorcery. There's not all too many of those. Uh, but he's going to judge those who commit adultery, those who lie, these, these things that are traditionally, traditionally condemned by good Christian morality. So we're shaking our head at, at those sections. But again, we have to read the rest of the verse too, because Malachi is also declaring God's judgment on those who are not properly paying their workers and, and on those who are not standing up for the orphans and the widows among us, but who are oppressing those orphans and widows. And he's declaring God's judgment uh, on those who mistreat the foreigners in their midst, those who are not providing justice for those foreigners. And all of a sudden, we, st we stop shaking our head quite as much and saying, yeah, God, oh, okay, that steps on my toes a little bit more. In other words, a major aspect in God's eyes of his people living faithfully to him is not just these traditional aspects of morality. It certainly includes those. But it's not just those things. God's people living faithfully for him also involves loving the least of these in their midst. And here he names the four groups, the, uh, the poor, those being defrauded of funds. He mentions the widows, the fatherless, or the orphans. And he mentions the foreigner or the refugee among them. I hear Malachi saying, the Lord you are seeking. That's the phrase back in verse 1. The, the Lord you are seeking is a God of justice. Absolutely. He's a God who, who is like a refining fire, and he will come and he will purify and make holy the people of all these actions. But Malachi is also saying that the Lord you are seeking is, again, he's a God of mercy. He is, he is a God who stands with these people that the rest of the people in society were trampling upon. And so we get this dual image in this passage of God being a God of, of justice and God being a, a God of, of mercy. And so I, I think it's a threatening, it's intense, but it really amounts to a pretty beautiful promise all the way back in the book of Malachi about the coming of the Lord and what we can expect with the coming of the Lord. And I think that this prophecy was certainly fulfilled in the coming of Jesus, because when we look at the life of Jesus, we can see that he was certainly a fiery prophet. He was sort of in line with Malachi and Zephaniah and some of these prophets that we're, we're going to look at. One could not experience the, the presence of Jesus. One cannot come into his presence. One cannot encounter his teachings and leave unchanged. You can reject them or you can agree with them, but you can't just come into his presence and leave unchanged. Let's look at this quote, uh, Nathan, if you can throw it up there, uh, an author named Ann Stewart. She's writing specifically connecting uh, this passage back in Malachi to, to, to sort of this idea of preparing for, for Christmas and focusing on the, the first coming of Jesus. She writes, our preparations for Christmas are often informed 
by pastoral images of sweet baby Jesus, surrounded by choirs of angels and placid sheep around the manger. Jesus brings serenity, peace on earth, goodwill to all. And I mean, this is important. While we can affirm that the coming of Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, is good news of great joy for all people, this does not mean that Christ's presence demands nothing of us or leaves us unchanged. Like a refiner's fire or a cleansing soap, the arrival of Christ in our midst calls us to reverent obedience and faithful praise. The good news, the good news that makes us not have to fear this Lord, the good news is indeed that we will not be left unchanged, but will be reformed and refined to become like Jesus Christ. And when I think about that, that beautiful quote and what Anne is, is getting at here, I think about John's description in John chapter 1 of Jesus being full of both grace and truth. As we study the life of Jesus, we see a Lord who regularly extended grace and mercy to many of the people who fit these very categories back in the book of Malachi. So we know the story of Jesus extending mercy to a woman caught in adultery, one of the, one of the things Malachi specifically mentions. And we see Jesus spending time with tax collectors who were people, generally speaking, who had defrauded the poor in their midst and, and taken uh, wages from them un unfairly. And yet we see Jesus extending grace and, and mercy to all of these kind of folks. And, and that's true, but we also see the way that Jesus is full of truth and the way that he confronts them with truth, the way that he's trying to refine these same very people by his holy fire. And so we go back to that story of the woman caught in adultery, and we see Jesus extending that grace and the mercy, but then he ends that story and he says, go on and sin no more. That's an act of Jesus trying to refine this woman by his holy fire. He's saying, I forgive you. And these people certainly can't condemn you. But I'm also telling you, go on and sin no more. And we see Jesus confronting either the tax collectors or some of the religious leaders who were defrauding the poor of, of money in the temple. And we see him confronting them and, and calling them to change their ways. And so when I just zoom out and I look at the life of Jesus, I I see the coming of the Lord as a fulfillment of everything Malachi is saying, especially in the way that he combines grace and truth in a powerful combination that leads to true transformation. You don't get to encounter Jesus and, and leave unchanged. You come into his presence and that refining fire full of mercy and full of truth confronts us and confronts who we are. This is the kind of Lord that, that Malachi was uh, prophesying 2,500 years ago, and that 500 years after that, we, we see fulfilled in the coming of Jesus, the Lord of mercy, who takes up the cause of the marginalized, and who identifies with the poor, and the widow, and the orphan, and the refugee, and also the Lord of truth, whose righteousness, and whose justice, and whose holiness changes that entire spectrum of, of people, and that's, that's the Lord that we're trying to be refined to, to look more like his image. And as I thought about this, this message from uh, Malachi, and especially that emphasis in, in verse 5 on the, the types of people that we see uh, the Lord saying he's going to come and he's going to kind of stand up for these people, the, these types of people that God's people at the time were, were not standing up for. Uh, one of the best examples I think we have of that right here at Lafayette is uh, Don Malcolm. 
and, and her work with, uh, she'll tell you more about this, but particularly with impoverished uh, women and girls in Burkina Faso, Africa, and even here in St. Louis. So we'll unpack some of this. But again, verse five doesn't say, and you'll be judged for not taking care of impoverished women and girls in Burkina Faso, right? But I think what we're going to talk about a little bit this morning with Dawn is a really natural outgrowth of, of the call we see placed on us uh, there in, in verse five. And so given the sermon text this morning, and given that it had been a while since we uh, heard an update from Don, uh, we're going to do that at this time. So Don, if you want to join me up here, and while we get in place, uh, there's going to be a one-minute video that sort of sets the stage for us. So uh, we'll, which side do you want, Don? You want that side? So um, I think the last slide there has uh, a verse from Isaiah that has practically the same message that we just heard from Malachi, that God all the way back in the Old Testament is a God who stands up to these different groups. Uh, and so we see that in Isaiah, we see that in Malachi. So uh, the video kind of hints at that, Don, but just tell us a little bit. Uh, I mean, some of them have no clue even who you are, but... Um, <laughs> Uh, but maybe introduce yourself a little bit and then tell us about just the mission of lighting the path and, and the way that uh, you guys are trying to come alongside the least. So yes, I'm Dawn Malcolm and uh, started doing this work about 10 years ago. And the mission is to definitely share God's word and show the love of Christ. And in, to do that, we do empowerment projects and we meet needs and we teach people how to start a small business in some way to help them help themselves and improve their own life. So. And so let's focus on Burkina Faso, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, who, again, the least of these, the orphans, the widows, we see this in the prophets, we see this in the life of Jesus. So uh, who kind of specifically, especially in Burkina Faso, or, or is kind of your focus of, of your mission, the type of people you help there? Yeah. One thing that struck me, mm -hmm. the verse five, mm -hmm. Malachi, that you were talking about, talking about sorcerers and perjurers and all that stuff, that goes on in Burkina. Mm -hmm. You have animist religions. You have, we ha you have voodoo shamans. That is still there, present. You know, we don't think about it, I think, how, how things there are very much reflected 
in scripture much more than we realize you know walking around and your your feet being covered with dirt needing to wash your feet after you've been walking around visiting widows that's something to me i couldn't relate to until i did it you know and um when i started this i had no idea what i was going to be doing who i was going to be serving um but going into that society and seeing all this and and how the elderly and the orphans and the widows are very much cast aside. Uh, people with a disability, they're cast aside. They are the least of these in that population. And it became very apparent who needed to be helped or who, who my focus should be on, you know. So, so very much that's who I work with and uh, kind of shared a couple pictures with this, like the middle one is Yaya. And, um, he is a little disabled boy and in the village, couldn't walk. And uh, that's every time I go on one of these trips, I try to look for the thing that God has sent me for that time. And I had bought a bunch of PVC pipe to build soccer nets for the kids in the village. Kind of, kind of that's how you ease in. You make friends, you do stuff, and then you can kind of start talking about, you know, God and, and doing that once you've made these friendships and everything, but I had all these PVC pipes and went to visit him and he still was not walking. He was old enough to go to school, but he could not walk. So, and I called this totally God, went back and I built a walker out of PVC pipe. It was just, God put that on my heart, kind of figured it out, was cutting pieces, had pieces all over the place, totally messed all the pipe up for the soccer goals, but that didn't matter. Went back over to, the courtyard where all, where all his family and stuff was at. And um, they speak Jula there and I don't speak Jula. So I had to get someone who I could speak French to, to explain to him how to use this walker. So um, stood him up and put the walker in front of him and he, and showed him, you know, she was showing him how to move it and how to walk. And he walked on his own with that for the first time ever. And that was just like, okay, that's why I'm here this time. And then the one he has there, that's a whole nother God story because I took him that one the next year. And that came from a woman here who uh, was the grandmother of someone who was selling it. And her name was also, they called her Yaya. So that's a whole nother. His name was Yaya. Her name was Yaya. That was a God story. So. Any other, uh, I know there's at least one story up there. I know. So any, uh, any other stories that just sort of like bring out the, the mission there? Yeah. yeah. Well, this is Pauline up in the corner. She's one of the widows we serve. And when I'm there, we get together baskets with sugar and tea and, and soap and different things. And we go around to the widows and visit and check on them and give them, give them these baskets of stuff. And um, Pastor Valentin is one of the pastors there. We, we partner with pastors on the ground because they know the people, they know the needs, they know the language. And Pastor Valentine took us to, to meet with Pauline and see how she was doing. And she, she kind of walks in. As, as you can see a little bit, she had leprosy. So pretty much her fingers are gone. Her toes are gone. She doesn't walk well. Um, so just a hard life, a struggle. And um, so she came in and, you know, we were talking. And she seemed very, looking down, very downcast, very sullen. And Pastor Valentine, we were talking, and it's like, ask her how she's doing, you know, something seems wrong, you know what, so we're talking, and he said, well, she is concerned that 
she will die soon that you know her life she's getting older and her life will have meant nothing that she would not have been able to serve or do anything and her life will have meant nothing because she just lives here in this little hut and so i pull out my camera and i said okay tell her i'm from america and i can take her picture and i will tell her story and that's what i'm doing again today i thought i could get through it but that that joy is what I got when I told her I could tell her story here. I went back four months later and she had passed away. So talk about a God moment. So, yeah. So that's the kind of people that I serve over there. And um, it's been an amazing journey. Thank you for sharing that thought. Uh, that was yeah. not a lot of tears. You were worried yeah. you, you wouldn't be yeah. able to share that one. I, that was yeah. pretty good. Yeah, I, so, I thought I'd gotten good. past yeah. crying when I talk about her. But yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, tell us uh, if, if you came in and haven't connected the dots yet, the, the uh, market set up in the lobby, Don, this is a similar thing going on. Yeah. So tell us a little bit uh, about our top middle picture uh, here and just how finished, that ties into this. Yeah, just finished our girls' school. This has been a long time coming, real dream raising money. Um, like I said, when I started this, I didn't know what I was doing. And uh, it, this has all been God. I, there's no way I could have built a school in Africa by myself. And um, this whole journey, and I, to me, that's the point of the story here, more than what I'm doing, what God has done through me, is that we are all called to be reaching out and to be serving and um i i admit i went into this kicking and screaming the first time it was like it was an opportunity to help help pat beach go to africa to see her daughter who was there on missions daughter and son-in-law and she kept fretting about it at women's bible study and so then it's like tugging on my heart. Well, could you go with her? Could you? And I'm like, I argued with God for a month. I can't go to Africa, you know, let her go. I, I can't go. And um, finally talked to Greg and it's like, okay, is there any way? And, and that was it, ball was rolling, everything fell into place. And you know, um, it, obviously I was supposed to go to Africa with her. Um, went and and it was a life-changing experience seeing these people living with no running water no electricity nothing and uh all they went through and it, it was just so came back and was just so inspired and uh started going back and forth and just things evolved and developed but you know that's what we are called to do and i guess if nothing else that that message is listen to those prompts because that's what I've gotten through all these trips. I'll be on a trip and, and God will be prompting to do something. And sometimes I argue with him, I'll admit. One time I gave my shoes away, you know, I just, I had a little pair of flip-flops the rest of the trip and got home, which is fine. But this little boy needed my tennis shoes more than I did. And, and that's how it goes. And that's what you do. And that's God though, that's not me. Cause I can, I can go back here and get another pair of tennis shoes, but when God is prompting you, it's it's just amazing. And this girls' school project came up. These are girls that are abandoned, are out on the streets, um, have nowhere to live, no way to support themselves. Um, they're put in, in pretty 
precarious situations and unfortunately get taken advantage of. Um, this will be a school where it will be a technical school where it's teaching sewing and weaving and soap making and that type of thing. And uh, it's been a dream and it's been all God that has walked, walked me through this point. I would love to be there. There's, it's not safe. There's, there's COVID, there's terrorist activity. Um, but at the same time, the pastors on the ground there are running this project and doing this and it's going to be theirs and they, you know, I don't need to be in the middle of it as much as I'd love to be over there seeing everything. Um, and they have taken it on and, and this is the point we're at the first building. So there's two classrooms and a third classroom will be used right now for um, a sleeping like a sleeping area we're going to put bunk beds in it for 12 girls right now we have five girls already off the streets lined up to go into it. And um, we're looking at uh, opening it in January. So, and that's part of this fundraising every year. That's how I've done this is, is fundraising. And uh, that's part of this sale is through the years is to get funds to, to do the projects and go back over and, and that type of thing. But, uh, but once again, the most important message here is, is listen to what God's prompting you to do. Um, Looking back on my life, I feel like my degrees in school and everything fit this so perfectly that God had this planned a long time ago, and I just finally found it. Because I even am working in a French-speaking country, and I minored in French in college. I mean, that it just everything just fit into place, and it was like, okay, I get it, God. This is what I'm supposed to be doing, you know. And, uh, and it's not always easy and you will be challenged and you will get discouraged. And there's that scripture about encouraging each other daily. And I think that's so important because he pushes us outside our comfort zones. He pushes us beyond what we can do alone, but he does that for his glory. I mean, he, this is obvious. I could have never built a school in Africa. This is, this is all God. And, and that's what he will do with you also he will push you and test you and and but he will be glorified in the end with what you do something uh don and i talked a lot about is if you're again some of you are new to us i don't think we've done something like this for three or so years um so it could be that you're out there and you're like i love this specific mission that don's involved in i hear the story of yaya and i know there's other yaya's out there and i want to support this mission and again there are ways to do that Don always needs help with stuff. Uh, even just financially buying the stuff out there is good. And there's also an area out there in the very front where you can sponsor a sewing machine that goes into this girl's school. Like there's very uh, hands-on opportunities to help this. But one of the things we talked a lot about, um, you know, the risks sometimes and in, in bringing a Don and saying, hey, this is what Don doing. You're saying, hey, here's this video of Rusty and Karen Rustin. Rustin and Karen, <laughs> Rustin and Carrie, also known as Rusty and Karen. Um, uh, the Lundies, who, you know, whoever is doing international mission work, the risk is that your application will be, okay, I need to go to Burkina Faso, or I need to go build a school. That's what God is asking you to do. Really what God is asking you to do is follow the call he's putting in your life, and that's gonna be different, and to find your way of standing up for the least of these in our society. And that's going to look very different. And there's the least of these at Selvage Middle School. And there's the least of these that are in this room right now uh, that, that get well cared for. There's lots of ways for us to follow the, the call of God. And so I hope when we 
do stuff like this, the outcome, because this is how it is for me, is that I'm encouraged by Dawn and her ministry and her faithfulness to God. And so I go and do likewise in my own way. And it's, it's going to look different. And I want to partner with her. I want to help her. And I want to partner with Andrews and others as well. But the, the idea of all of this is how, how are we all living faithfully for God in our own way? And if we're all doing that, then the kingdom of God is in really good position to, to grow and to thrive. So just want to make sure you have that frame. Yeah. Don. And the other um, thing I'll just say is one thing I wish I had back when this kind of all was starting. And like I said, I was dragging my heels and saying I couldn't do this. I just wish I'd had someone to sit and explore this with. Mm -hmm. And uh, Greg has been my rock and my supporter, and he's been awesome. But just also having other people too. Does this look right? Does this look like what I should be doing? What are your thoughts? If anybody has kind of a calling on their heart that they're just trying to figure out, I am happy to talk, happy to explore it with you. I don't know if I could help a whole lot, but you you have me as a sounding board at any time. And just just ask. So. All right, thanks, Don. Um, we're let's read this uh, this text one more time, and then we'll we'll get up and sing. Um, And this is Malachi chapter three, one to five. I, I am assuming uh, Don will not be in the prayer room. She'll probably be out there. So again, if you do need to pray with anybody, Greg will be back in the prayer room and you can go back there and uh, pray with him. Hear the word of the Lord. I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings and righteousness, and the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord. As in days gone by, as in former years. So I will come to put you on trial. I will be quick to testify against sorcerers, adulterers, and perjurers, against those who defraud laborers of their wages, who oppress the widows and the fatherless, and deprive the foreigners among you of justice. But do not fear me, says the Lord Almighty. Let's stand and sing.